Hello again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf Intro Cast, where we talk about life on the prairie here in the wild, wild <laughs> west, and also occasionally Red Dwarf. Uh, longtime fans and newbies alike journey together on the mining ship Red Dwarf, and then lose it, and then go to Starbug, uh, as we talk about Red Dwarf episode by episode. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 3, Gunman of the Apocalypse. I am Handsome Hot Hand Heath. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am Bear Strangler McGee. I am Sheriff Shane. Um, uh, I am the Yorkie Bar Kid. <laughs> and our special guest this week... I am the Loranger. <laughs> Hi, Loranger. Hello. 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 He couldn't say mine because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, so. I'm better. So, Loranger, oh. tell us about yourself. What do you yes. do? Where you come from? What okay. kind of gun you handle? Um, <laughs> what's your spirit of choice? And how you can take on hot hand, whatever it was. <laughs> wow, you want to know a lot. Um, <laughs> okay. We do this with all our guests. <laughs> okay, um, well, I'm from Buckingham, and I actually came to Red Dwarf through a sort of bit of absorption because I saw little bits and pieces of it but never saw a whole episode for a number of years and this episode is actually the first one that I saw as a whole so it's quite special to me and um, apart from that I like lots of different music I like a bit of cinema a bit of theatre particularly musical theatre and um, particularly a bit of sci-fi and stuff but I think you're all a bit more sci-fi savvy than me and um yes a bit of reading and into a bit of everything really i'm not i haven't really got a web presence apart from my facebook page so i'm a bit boring that way but i'm working on it <laughs> and that's it really just so our listeners know um this is actually a lady called lorraine it isn't um hetty mccarridge hetty Harridge. <laughs> just so you know although i am working to try and get her on the show but this is not her. <laughs> oh, no. Fantastic. You threw in the illusion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, Paul Paul said that. Like, I was I was about to. Yeah, your yeah, your accents and voice are, are very similar. Um, oh, well. Shin is his position as the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I'll take that as a compliment, then. Yeah, Shane, you're going to have to be Crichton now. Yeah. But hey, we won't have to, you know, to alter your head shape much. Hey. <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. I'm messing with you. You're very welcome, Shane. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you tell us, Shane, uh, what's up with these gunmen of the apocalypse? Well, after that last comment, I don't think I should. <laughs> <laughs> and Vogue Simmons hurt Dane Starberg and infected with a deadly virus. Crichton comes up with a plan to defeat the virus by contracting it himself and tells the others to wash my dreams. Crichton is dreaming that he's a sheriff in the Northwestern and he is losing the bet and become a drunkard. 
The others join them in an artificial reality program where they become cowboys. They sober Crichton up to face the bad guys in a duel in the centre of the town. It is then Crichton realises his guns, with their dove motif on their handles, are the program which he can use to defeat the bad guy virus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was. I got a little confused as far as what it actually was going on there at the end with the whole dove thing, but we'll, we'll talk about that when mm. we get to it. Um, so, cool episode, but it starts out with possibly something even more interesting than the western bit. Uh, we start out with dwarf noir. That was <laughs> amazing. Yes. AKA the only reason for a list is to get his rocks off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Angela immediately started saying, It's Dixon Hill! He's playing Dixon Hill! <laughs> uh, like Picard in TNG. Yeah. But was... I don't think Picard ever did that. No, but it was always sort of the dirty little secret that they never addressed that people would have been using the holodeck for exactly what Lister was doing all the time. <laughs> Star Trek was just way too polite to address it. <laughs> Barkley springs to mind. He did. Yes. His creepy fantasies I'm involving the Angel senior bridge crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did notice that without his usual vest, that it looks like Lister is wearing a Ghostbusters outfit. Hmm. Didn't he look so good in that, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, no, so is, is this a new outfit? The the brown? Uh, it's just, I think, it's just the one... F- just for the computer game. Hmm. Oh no, I meant I meant outside of the computer game. Oh, sorry. Uh, he 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 had his usual vest off, and he just had like a brown shirt over a brown shirt, and but it it looked like a Ghostbusters uniform. I was trying to place that. I'm glad you said that. It's come to me now. It is Ghostbusters, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> hey, that's copyrighted. <laughs> Huey, and, Huey Lewis will sue you, man. Possibly axe murder you. <laughs> the, there was a recent Funnier Die video where he recreated the scene from American Psycho and axe murdered uh, Weird Al. It was fantastic. Like <laughs> the note that I have actually for that scene is first of all, I believe it's 1938 Bentley they used. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> um, which. Uh, has apparently a lovely inside and great great suspension, even though I think the suspension was ruined by the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, it it seemed like it could use some works on the the shocks there, yeah. (laughs) And Loretta was played by a person named Jennifer Calvert, who was much more famous, over here at least, uh, for playing a part in a children's television program called Spats. Oh, oh. That's why you said what you said off screen, right? Mm. Mm. Which was a which was a Canadian UK co-production at least for the first season. Gotcha. So she's doing a bit of a body scene then for a children's entertainer then. Well, that, well, I think by the time this had come out, I think Spats had finished. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Cool, cool. So, um, uh, this groin yeah. attachment thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are. 
Are they all using the same groin attachments? <laughs> you know, the less thought about that, the better. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Although, um, the, the hand and tongue gestures are just oh, simultaneously <laughs> hilarious and utterly disturbing to watch. When he was mining, taking off her clothes, then... It was hilarious in that I don't think you could take off someone's bra with quite those hand gestures. <laughs> well, it was a 1938 bra. Oh, they true. were very different, apparently. So that's been accounted for. <laughs> uh, but he's yes, playing his game, and then Crichton has to come in and ruin everything like he does. Um as Sammy the Squib. Oh, that girl, she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. just programmed that way, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Crichton comes in to tell them that, uh, oh, crap, there's some weird things uh, chasing us, and we need to come talk about that and go into silent mode, because they're in a rogue simulant <clears throat> hunting zone. Yes. Because Red Dwarf apparently went through some of the most dangerous and worst places in space ever. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, you've got the the, the wax planet where there's been a crazy war. You've got mm-hmm. the, the simulant zone where there's crazy roaming simulants. And <laughs> so, yes, while Lister was asleep, Holly was just cruising past... <laughs> Some of the craziest wars and dangerous animals that, and uh, well, I'm sorry, not animals, but things <laughs> ever created. Well, not necessarily, because maybe they went, a, Red Wolf went around the area and still both going through the area because it's much quicker. Possibly. Oh, I like that they're saying, oh yeah, we're salvaging things, so, you know, supplies are not so much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so they move to silent mode again with the nose gag. We're getting at least one nose gag per episode, it seems like, this season. I wasn't going to mention it here, but I'm going to have to after what Angela said. There is, an, there is a very famous Megup outtake uh, when Crichton and Lister are taking all their uh, gubbins off, their gloves, and everything like that. Uh, Craig Charles forgot to take the groinal attachment off. <laughs> so here he's walking away from the machine and he's being pulled back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All I'm going to say is, ow. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, they're uh, even, um, n- now, they've even got like their usual stations. It's even getting more sci-fi adventure like they all have their little jobs at the cockpits mm. yeah. now wait a minute so the, for the costume yeah they felt it necessary to create a groinal attachment in such a way mm. that it would pose a danger of causing pain should it get caught on something they couldn't just not attached. Make a costume. 
<laughs> Why do they hate their their actors? What did Craig Charles do to the design team? <laughs> well, they, I, ghost well, it would have been fine if he had remembered to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not setting him on fire this week. Let's see if we can uh, kick him in the crotch somehow when he's not looking. <laughs> I'm just oh, thinking that had let to... him do it himself. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking that had to have been an awkward meeting. Okay, for this episode, you're going to wear a costume and you're going to have to put this there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you don't mind. Uh, well, to be fair, if 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 it was if I, if it, if I was um, if I was listening in that situation, being the immature git that I am. I would be probably just like messing about with woo, look at me. But that's me being immature. Yeah, I would hope that that Robert Llewellyn would have been able to excuse me, sir, you seem to have left your crotch in the <laughs> circulant program. <laughs> that would have been nice to catch on film. Oh okay. Well yeah. moving on from that. Uh, so, they're trying to run silent to keep away from these deadly rogue simulants, because apparently it's a good idea to create a horrific simulant people-hunting program for a war, and then just leave them running around. Yeah. Um, I mean, why not? Like you do. Yeah. Uh, so, and we see the, the ship. I, I really liked the ship design of the That was the a good ship design. Looks scary. Looked like something from Thundercats, like the way that the the forward ports looked like glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Not Thunderbirds, Thundercats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any interesting notes or tidbits on the model work there? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, not I yet. Figured, figured you would Have tell you- us that they had. Just redesigned a Klingon ship or something? Or... <laughs> Not yet. I, I do have some stuff later on. Have you guys seen any of Thunderbirds uh, yet? No, we just We've got okay. a lecture about it. And... We need to catch just an episode on YouTube so we'll be able to catch these references a bit better. But yeah, it's not not something that ever was popular over here that, that I know of. Sure, sure. Yeah, puppets weren't really a thing here unless they were Muppets, you know? Like well, there was Lamb Chop. Yeah. Lamb Chop, Oh, Lamb Chop made it over there? Sherry Lewis made it over there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she was kind of Years ago. That was years and years. Oh, yeah, even, here too, yeah. Even Barney the Dinosaur made it over here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why? He's of, awesome. On behalf of of a apologetic nation, I must apologize for infecting <laughs> the world with Barney the dinosaur. I'd rather Barney than um, than Lamcho. <laughs> oh, I found out something. Uh, you remember that, that show, Eureka's Castle? Yep. It was an awesome show. R.L. Stein apparently wrote for it. Uh, Goosebumps Ooh. guy. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. <laughs> so back to Red Dwarf. <laughs> I love Red Dwarf. You love. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, so 
they come up with a rather clever idea once they find out that the simulants are hunting humanoids. And we finally understand why they're wearing eyeballs on their chins in the opening credits. Oh, that was... Loved that scene. That was the most delightfully stupid plan that has ever been (laughs) concocted by anyone. It could have worked. My favorite part was the upside-down pointy teeth of the cat. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. My favorite part was the um, when it when Lister licked the eyeball. Mm. <laughs> oh. Why does he have to put things in his mouth like all the time? He's always swallowing cigarettes and. <laughs> See, just that impulsive. Roll, man. <laughs> oh, so their plan fails. Uh, <laughs> luckily, though, Grimmer is there. To immediately surrender <laughs> <laughs> and attempt to find amnesty under Article three nine four three six one seven five eight eight zero nine three two stroke B. How many takes did it take for them both to say the same number? I've got a point on that actually. <laughs> when Crichton says seven five eight eight zero nine two stroke C. He's actually reading it off an idiot board. Ah, uh, ah! You can actually see, you can actually see Crichton move. <laughs> nice. You'd never guess, would you? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a heck of a line. I I give it to him, but you know, yeah. Sometimes you just need a cue card. Yeah. Yeah, he's but basically he's he's looking at uh, Rimmer. He moves away directly to the idiot board, says the numbers, then moves back to Rimmer. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to watch. You're gonna it have again. to. Watch. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't occur to me really. <laughs> I was, and I like rewound it three times so that I could write the number down. So they are getting weapons and technology upgrade from every single person who wants to control them or kill them ever. Like last time we have Rimmer get the light bee upgrade. This time we have a whole range of weapon systems <laughs> getting well, upgraded. To be fair, Legion didn't want to kill them. He just wanted to kidnap them forever for company. Yeah. Right. That's not like way to kill them. Yeah, I yeah, said kill or he, control. He to control them. Yeah. All right, my bad. But. I didn't hear that bit. <laughs> And so, yeah, the, the the simulants give them weapons to where apparently one lucky shot kills the simulants and I do, explodes their ships. I do have a question before we go go back to that. When the okay. when the simulant is shooting uh, Rimmer, Cat, Wright, and the Nister, mm-hmm. when he shoots Nister, he has his back turned towards Rogue Simulant. Hmm. If you've got a dangerous person on that on board ship, I wouldn't put my turn my back to him. Maybe it was going for a weapon. Maybe, but yeah, that, maybe the maybe funny. the hollow whip was in the the <laughs> next room, and he was going for it. Okay, well, possibly. I don't know. Maybe the yeah. maybe it was a bad cut. Like maybe <laughs> they were planning something that didn't pan out, so they were just editing around. 
Yeah, but that was that was a very shocking moment actually when he just goes and shoots them all. Yeah, I thought, okay, so so they're dead. Are they dead? <laughs> They've been hollied. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no. And let's go ahead and address it. Yeah, Angela, we decided we were going to stop complaining about Holly being gone. You know, we we do miss her, but we understand. You know, it happened. Moving on. But uh, this episode in particular would have offered some amazing possibilities for Holly. Uh, she could have been a full-body presence in the Crichton simulation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and given how the show usually does, she could have, like, been wearing the whole, you know, uh, saloon girl uh, get-up and everything and had a costume. And it would have been really nice. It would have been great. I agree. It's such a shame, isn't it, really? Um but I won't go on about it either, yeah. but I agree with you, yes. I mean, it, it really is a shame that, like, uh, Grant and Naylor, they really couldn't see where to put Holly and what to do with her. But we're thinking of all of these things. Well, yes. I mean, though, this is the first time where, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was clear that last season they were struggling to find ways to make her interesting, and then they write this episode, and it's like, oh, okay, this one, it would have worked. Mm-hmm. And maybe none of the other ones this season, but oh well. It was not so, to be. It wasn't. wasn't. Um, Tear. <laughs> uh, so, let's see, they blow up the simulants, uh, by complete luck. The simulants send the a virus over and then get smashed into tiny, tiny pieces. Maybe the simulants uh, had a death wish. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's no, got to be boring I... to be warmongering simulants with no one to warmonger with. Uh, I believe you'll find that Rutger Hauer will tell you plainly that simulants want more life. <laughs> <laughs> As a general rule. Uh, so, uh, Crichton comes up with his cunning plan. Uh, he's going to take the virus on himself and then come up with a cure for it. And then, because the hyper-advanced simulants that have tranquilizer ray beams and can completely upgrade Starbug, uh, and our artificial beings themselves can't make a virus that Crichton can't outsmart. Hmm. Well, he's pretty tough. Yeah, but he's also a few generations behind their technology, one would think. I don't know, maybe not. Again, the timeline is confusing. Well, it does take it out of him, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. It's a near thing. Maybe. Well, it's a combination of several different bits of technology. Mm. I mean, him plus, you know, whatever things that he's learned since. I mean, this is a guy who can develop film that creates literal time travel. No, no, that's (laughs) mutations. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Crichton's dream uh, turns out to be a western, and it's awesome. (laughs) And there's a ragtime piano version of the Red Dwarf theme. (laughs) The Wild West episode was everything I hoped it would be and more. (laughs) That is actually a place called Laredo. That is a real that is actually a real place. It's not a set, it's actually a real place. Cool. 
And basically, what they wanted to do, this is the, the writers, uh, wanted to do a Red Dwarf Cowboy episode. Mm-hmm. But they knew they wouldn't be able to afford a world west town from scratch, because obviously they can't afford it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they decided to touch the water and told the rest of the production team that the script was written and they needed to find a location. <laughs> so, they, so the production team come back and they, they said they had found an actual Wild West town called, as I said, called the radio, which is actually in Kent. Hmm. Where enthusiasts would spend their weekend living as cowboys in the most authentic way possible. And when, when, by, when I mean authentic, I mean no rich watches, no, and nothing like that from the 21st century. If you get caught, you get fined. Hmm. Wow. So it's kind of like Colony, uh, Colonial Williamsburg here. Mm. So, uh, Rob Grant and Doug Nather went to uh, the radio to do a bit of recce for themselves and met the guys down there. Remember, at this stage, they don't have a script. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they went down there and said, yeah, so what do you want to do for this episode? Oh, we're going to have a gunfight over here. Bit of dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a bit thing over here. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. A few jokes. It's going to be great. Without, of course, realizing what they were going to be doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, they nice. were they were obviously pulling from all of the tropes of Western movies. So it was mm. practically written. Anyway, they just had to fill in the words. Mm. <laughs> in fact, I was I was trying to think uh, what movie it was, and I had to finally looked it up. Uh, the the drunken sheriff uh, being helped by the the hired gun. That was a John Wayne movie called um, uh, El Dorado. Mm-hmm. Starring uh, Robert Mitchum as the the drunken sheriff. That has to call in his hired gun buddy, John Wayne, to help him clear up a few things. Because you always got to have um, John Wayne to help you out. <laughs> the Scudders would have loved it, actually, wouldn't they? Yes, poor Scudders missed out. <laughs> they missed out, too. The Scudders, Holly. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was I couldn't look this up, but was I crazy in... Was the guy who was taunting drunk Crichton, was that Robert Llewellyn without makeup? Or someone completely different? Uh, somebody else. Okay. Well, I'm already really bad at recognizing actors with, you know, different hair and different makeup and in Mm. different contexts. So I think I was just trying to read too much into it. Mostly because I had no idea why they had this random guy taunting him <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Just to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they got a very uh, funny story, actually. Um, the Rocket, who's, who's the uh, ca- one of the camera guys, and the director got together and they wanted to make sure everything was going to go according to plan. Hmm. So they so they worked it out and said, well, we've got a lot of stuff to be getting on with. It's going to take us about five days to do this. Right? Well, you've got two. Ah. Okay. Ah! Some more problem. It was compounded by the fact that I didn't have two days in the end. 
they had one in the end Yay, because yeah. uh, overnight staying for uh, technical guys and that sort of stuff so they couldn't do it uh, they couldn't stay overnight so they only had one day to do, film all this outside stuff in wow well, that's not fun. So probably they meant for the Wild West scenes to be longer. And when it couldn't, they had to uh, invent the beginning part that took quite a bit longer than I thought it would. Like they did not spend a lot of time in the Wild West. Unless I'm just crazy. Yeah, well, all the inside stuff that in the saloon yeah. was done, obviously, in the studio. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. What was the oh, yeah, Rio Bravo was, was the earlier one that was like this, the sheriff needing help anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. So, they figure out the situation. that They mm-hmm. have to go into Crichton's dreams somehow mm-hmm. with some thingamajiggy lying about. Cat was really on this episode. Cat was on fire. Yeah. Uh, bit of an edit here, but I should say that we've lost Paul. I've been trying to add him back for the past five minutes, and he's not oh, no. responding. Oh. So we'll just continue. Well, darn it, we'll have to just do, do an impression. Let's see. Although, <laughs> uh, I would add that... No, Shane, no. I've done it. Shane, I've done it. <laughs> Do you realize he's going to kill you now, now when he hits this back to the, the podcast? <laughs> nah, well, he had to come to America me. first. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, very true. And then we could take him to the Irish Bread Pub. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. <laughs> oh, goodness. You could, could get a shillelagh sandwich. Which is a turkey yes. and Swiss sandwich. <laughs> oh, well. It's the most cheesy twee place. And yeah, the only thing Irish about that place is that they call things like a clotta burger and a shillelagh sandwich. But on the other hand, they have french fries that they cover in gravy and cheese, which should be illegal, but yeah. it's not, and it's delicious. We were sitting so under this picture of James Joyce. And it labeled it James Joyce, but then it also had a shamrock on it. And I'm like, James Joyce is rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> oh. Oh, well. But on the upside, I did make lamb stew the other day, so. That was fantastic. Let's see. That's okay, good, Red Dwarf. stuff, Yes. Hopefully Paul will join us again soon. I was trying to stall to give him time. Um, so, they decide that they have to break into Crichton's dream, and they do uh, by using the computer game, which gives them super abilities mm. and awesome names. Mm-hmm. What I love about this particular scene, and let me just get it up on my screen, so give me 30 seconds. 1-1000, 2-1000. <laughs> Three thousand, four thousand, five Mississippi, six Mississippi, seven Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to physically count, guys. Oh, okay. No. But uh, I'm just. There we go. Okay. There we go. Can we just comment on how wonderful those uh, character choosing screens are? Yeah, exactly what I was going to comment on actually because it's. 
There's a, did you did anybody write down the numbers? No. No. This it's quite hilarious because you got cat becoming the Riviera kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. And his on screen stats Ah, oh, and I'm just trying to find it. Just give me two seconds, you can there uh, Stamina forty forty, charm two hundred and fifty, mm. intelligence ten. Aww. Aww. Hey, that's not fair. He came up with all the plans this episode. Mm-hmm. Hey, except for Brighton. Then you've got Rimmer as Dangerous Dan McGrew. Stamina, 100. Charm, only 50. And Intelligence, only 50. Mm. The Charm being only 50, I think it's quite right for Rimmer, in my opinion. I think it's a bit high. Well, <laughs> yeah. Then, then you've got to put Riverboat for uh, this journey. Charm is 100, stamina is 100, intelligence is 100. So, complete 100 straight across the board. Well, see, that makes no sense. If all of your base characters have different stats to begin with, or different uh, numerical totals for their stats. Plus, I wouldn't put Lister's Charm at 100, considering all of the um, groinal attachment stuff he's been doing lately. Uh, so, inside Crichton's dream, he is facing the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Death, war, famine, and pestilence. Mm-hmm. And, they've uh, been yeah. they've been pretty heavy on the biblical allusions lately. <laughs> it's true. I am legion for we are many. And <laughs> yeah. Although... Uh, <laughs> Although... To be fair, shouldn't uh, Death's horse have been uh, white? Death comes in on a pale horse. He does. <laughs> but then the white um, horse has heroic imagery as well, so... It does. Uh, let's see. So, uh, the trio pop in there. Cat's outfit. Straight up three amigos. It really and, is. Um, like, did they awesome. borrow his costume from the movie? No. or? No, the uh, that some of the some of the detailing was different. He had like a circular mm. oval theme going mm. on here that wasn't quite like any of the three amigos. But it did have um, either a, an eagle or maybe a thunderbird, a thunderbird, yeah. uh, something on on the back that looked a little bit like Chevy Chase's. Three. Mm. One of the advantages of uh, shooting in the radio was that all the extras. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, majority of the actors, I should say, are actually people who actually stay in the radio. Nice. Nice. So they had their own costumes. Free Western extras. Yeah. Including Bear Strangler guy. Like the, the big guy who um, towered over Rimmer. Whose hat got vomited into? Yes, that guy. I think no, I think he, no, I think he was an actor. Gotcha. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So after a bit of trouble, and uh, oh yeah, they do some nice camera tricks actually with reverse film again, uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Lister throwing knives. But it, yeah, this is how you use camera tricks. Mm-hmm. They really, really work for one-off jokes. 
Maybe not so much for a whole episode. Um, <laughs> All of the Western tricks a were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I sort of wanted to see more of Rimmer fighting, though. He so rarely gets to be the manly man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was really enjoying that, wasn't he? He was full of confidence for once. It looked like it. <laughs> <laughs> and at several point here during these scenes, Chris Berry drops into this American <gasps> accent that is just amazing. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Like a lot of a lot of times when, of course, yeah, you, know, you know, Chris Berry has a gift when it comes to impressions and accents, as as we know. Mm. But a lot of times when uh, some British actors will try and do an American accent, it comes out as this weird Texas hybridized thing. Like it's, uh, I suppose it's a lot like when Americans try to do a British accent. Yeah. It has aspects of several British accents, mm. but it doesn't sound like anyone talks in mm-hmm. in real life ever. And yeah, sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. In the opposite direction, but Chris Berry, he sort of—I mean, yeah—he sort of nails, I think, um, what he's going for there. Yeah, <laughs> I was interested in what you thought of that because obviously a lot of them were trying to do American accents, and and I think I could hear the Britishness in them, so so I'm sure that you can. But yeah, yeah, it was it was a, a really neat accent. I can't quite place like exactly what kind of accent it was. Maybe sort of a Clint Eastwood thing. Mm. But yeah, um, Kat's uh, Mexican accent maybe leave, leaves a little bit to be desired. Well, he was obviously but, going for a bad accent. Yeah, like he was not going was, for accuracy. <laughs> Although I still love Donnie Jan- John Jewel's real accent; it's so gorgeous. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see. At this point, I stopped taking notes because I was really into the episode. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, they sober Crichton up with a few bowls of coffee. It's the way to get the morning started. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they discover that his guns have doves on the mm. handle. While well, no we're talking about Crichton... Yes. Yes. Is that uh, when they were filming in this, uh, Robert the Wellens, they did not get off to a good start. Oh. And uh, well, they had to be in the radio a lot earlier um, to get into the quite mask, quite obviously. And he was in the makeup trailer having his rubber head stuck on when, quote, someone stepped on in the caravan and the hosting wobbled and glue went to my eye. Oh. Uh, that's not good. Yes. <laughs> and, and again, uh, the poor actors. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I actually wondered if they bothered with the rest of his costume or not under besides the mask. Since he was wearing clothes for once. Oh, true. Probably not, no. No weird increasingly fetishy robot outfits mm. <laughs> going on. Well, you see, this corset, spiked heels, mm. and whip that I'm carrying have a perfectly <laughs> legitimate sci-fi reason. There is a marvelous uh, documentary on the DVD where 
and I can't remember when the DVD was released, but I think it was 12, I think it was 2005, 2006, so about 12, 13 years after this episode was made. Robert the Weather and the, ca- and the camera crew went back to the Laredo and had a look round and talked to a few people oh. who were mm-hmm. background actors, or extras, I should say. In, um, cool. in in this episode, yeah. it's actually that's impressive. right. Yes, yeah. the guy who played the piano as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> <clears throat> was apparently told to build, have this, grow this big bushy beard because he was going to be a, a bad guy. And when he got to the studio, he was told to shave it all off because they wanted him <laughs> to be, to play the piano. Aww. Aww. Well, why why can't a piano player have a big bushy beard? That's that's discriminatory. <laughs> well, I, I think in the old wild west, clean shaven meant good, bushy, thick bushy beard meant bad. I think most of so them is... wore beards anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> Despite so is moral prejudice, fiber. Is prejudice against beards uh, barbarism? Oh. <laughs> uh, you are turning into the posy bar of this podcast, Heath. The hootie wootie Waka waka! <laughs> okay. Oh, the fuzzy bear. So. <laughs> it's fuzzy. I, re- I really liked um, Howard Goodall's orchestrations through this as well. I think it really added yes. to it. Oh, it was a lot mm. of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we haven't it. had an opportunity uh, where he can write uh, yet more reinterpretations of. Mm. The theme. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> I think he relished it. <laughs> mm. It's always brilliant when, the, when they get to do that. And, and especially, yeah, and, and that way he had an established genre of music to work with. And I think that that ends up being even better when he's, you know, instead of just randomly, well, let's do a heavy metal version for this scene, mm. when uh, you can match the scene to an established genre and still using those parameters work in the, the theme music. It's it's yeah, clever stuff. And having yeah, characters yeah. actually playing the music in a context mm-hmm. where music would be heard. Mm. Yeah. Source music. Uh let's see. So we get to the final battle. And the apocalypse virus, as Angela had been actually predicting at this point, um, erases the uh special <laughs> skills from the computer so that we can see Rimmer get beat about the head. Which is always Which is never not funny. Yeah. <laughs> and them trying to get off their costumes. Yeah. Um, you'd think that at least Lister would be like, okay, we don't have our special skills, but we can still fight these things. And he's like, no. No, let's just get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> So after a humiliating defeat, they <laughs> run away, and then Crichton turns his guns into doves that killed the virus people, because that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's the dove program, so it's not a literal dove, it's a part of the computer program. Mm. I guess it's symbolic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dove as as a symbol of peace. Uh, would, I mean, it makes sense, but then you know they're also guns, and it's yeah, it's a, sort of a mixed metaphor going mm. on. 
but then, yeah, it's the name of the program, too, so I don't know. Yeah, I felt like some of the symbolism got a bit confused there. Uh-huh. Anyway. Well, it turns out it was John Woo who actually came in. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting, uh, another interesting story that I've got is that when Crichton was trying, or Robert the Wyden, I should say, trying to launch the birds, you would think when you pick birds up and throw them up, they would actually take off. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't. They went straight down to the ground. Ah. <laughs> again, and again, and again. That's why, in the final episode, you can see him almost chuck the birds up with a bit of force. I guess it's understandable when you don't expect to be thrown in the air when, you, <laughs> when you're not deciding to do so yourself. <laughs> that, this, this scene actually reminds me of a much, much earlier scene when we first see Crichton in, um, coming out of the saloon when they, he first meets um, the gunman in the apocalypse. And he, he gets shot at. And his bottle burst, you know the scene I'm talking about? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he was told, no, don't worry about it, Robert, there's just going to be a few bangs. There's not going to be, not going to be a huge problem. So, they launch the squibs. The bottle breaks. The hat gets thrown up, um, <laughs> by a curtain wire. <laughs> and then he says something which I, said a, says a word which I'm not going to repeat on this podcast. (laughs) 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 Yeah, maybe that's why, is that, I noticed that they use like a weird special effects thing there with this, the slow camera. Yeah. It was, it was kind of weird. But, so, the virus did, they find the program, they upload it. Oh, it's a, it's a, Time game is the seconds tick away and Red Dwarf is plunging into hot lava and <laughs> then it does <laughs> and then it comes back out. And yeah. <laughs> the the roller coaster esque nature. Of yes, it's brilliant. <laughs> but then, of course, you know, riding off into the sunset. Yes, um, that wasn't originally going to be uh, quote lava. It was actually going to be planned to be water. Hmm. Um, it was going to be an ocean planet, basically. And it's going to be, it's going to, water's going to be easy, look good, they used, they've used water before. Um, Mm. but unfortunately, water is incredibly difficult to achieve on a model shot. Mm. Because water droplets don't scale. And would be, and it would have been obvious that Red Dwarf is really a three foot long model. Mm-hmm. Right. So they actually agreed to do using lava instead. Well, it looked awesome. Well, I mean, <laughs> but re- we know that Red Dwarf can travel in water. That wouldn't mm. have been quite as suspenseful. Mm. Well, I mean, okay, who, well, rather Starbug can travel in water, but who's going to actually believe that Starbug gets, you know, destroyed by lava mm. at the end of the episode anyway? But still... Plot-wise, there's some suspense that mm. there. I don't think there would have been with water. Yeah. Mm. Um, the lava um, was actually industrial th- food thickener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing that they use over here, at least, uh, 
on um, things like uh, Funhouse and Nose House Party for the Gunge. Wait, what? Ah. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you just switched to another. Uh, okay, here's Did what I heard. Did you start speaking in tongues? It's no. like the, what they use over here for phone house in house party for the guns. <laughs> Nose house. No, okay. So, uh, so they use over here on programs like Nose Nose House Party and Fun House. You've had Fun House over there, I believe. Fun House. Uh, Children's Television Program. Hmm. Uh, sure. It's, it's not what I'm familiar with. Okay. Okay, uh, for the uh, for the gunge, which which is our version of uh, slime. Gotcha. Oh, like like Nickelodeon slime. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but we use industrial f- food thickener. Yeah, um, it, it's typically a, a corn cornstarch mixture here. Mm. So, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the uh, the the rocks strutted throughout mm-hmm. were actually. Um, and I, and I've, I've lost my space on this damn screen here. What? Where are the rocks? Find out next <laughs> week when we return. The red. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, and I'm. It's gonna. It's um. It's float, the floating bits of volcanic rock are actually brown cork. Well, it worked really well for the model shot, I think. It looked very lava-esque. Mm. And yes, so that's the end. They fly off into the sunset, (laughs) having accomplished the Western episode. They Mm. have. It was a lot of fun. Okay, someone in the Facebook group said that it earned an Emmy. Yep, it certainly did. For what? Like, you know, you, you earn an Emmy, but it has to be in a particular category. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> for what? Most lava-y lava. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the uh, International Emmy Award for Extending Popular Arts Program. Ah, awesome. Hmm. Arts. <laughs> mm. I mean, the stream went to art school. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, there, any more? There is, a, there is a famous note which I will be lynched, lynched if I don't say it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what was it? Uh, so I'm having a problem. So I'm having a problem with my iPad today. I do apologize. It's not loading up as fast as I wanted to. I do apologize. What? Your Apple product? It's not I know. Perfect. I know. I know. What's going on? End of the world. It's the, it's the end of the world as you know it. It's the end. Um, basically, uh, basically, this executive in the BBC caused caused Janet Street Porter, and she found the script and told Robin. Doug, his agent. This is impossible. It can't be done. Mm. Put a stop to the production right now. It's not going to happen. It can't be done. Robin Doug's agent went to um, Janet Street Porter and said, "Too late. We filmed it yesterday." 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> Can't be um, done except we totally did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, any more comments before we move to the feedbacks? No, I'm 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 happy. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> All right then. Well, going to the Facebook group. We'll start with Sam Highland, the immortal. <laughs> he says the, the episode won, uh, that won the Emmy and rightly so the plot is a good one and the cast is excellent and the special effects work uh, still stands up to this day why a western? maybe Crichton was reading a western novel in his spare time I uh, love this episode and it rightly deserves its reputation as one of the best Red Dwarf episodes ever made now I'm going to be honest with you there Sam um, I thought this was a really great episode but I I guess I was a little surprised that it's, and looking at other comments, that it's um, it's considered that top tier. Uh, just I, because it's not that it's not a good episode, and I really loved it, but just that it's so atypical, I guess, of of Red Dwarf. Um, you know, I mean, to me, there's been yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I've been wondering something, like. A lot of these season six episodes have been like the gags have been the one that ones that everyone talks about, and you know the, these are the ones that everyone references. Was season six the one that like got syndicated the most? You know, the got replayed on TV, so more people saw it over and over. That I couldn't comment comment on. Um... I mean, Lorraine said it was the first one that she ever saw mm-hmm. on the crew. Yeah, I mean, admit it was, but I saw it when it first went out originally. Oh, okay. So nice. I'm not sure. I mean, this is, I this is gone from my personal experience here, but this is the season that I remember seeing the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the yeah. first season that I physically, I physically actually remember watching, even though I know I've watched Red Dwarf beforehand. Yeah, so that's just what made me wonder um, if it was... I mean, it's very well written and very well acted and everything, but if it's because of, you know, more people saw it, saw this season than any other season, which is why this is the one that gets referenced a lot. So if anyone out there has has any, like, numbers on that or or can confirm or deny, you know, no, I saw season five probably more than this one or something like that, you know, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, because, like, you know, there's certain gags that to us, it's like, okay, the blue light bulb gag was good. But, I mean, we thought there was just as many good laughs in season five. This one, though, it seems to have resonated more Mm -hmm. with with the fandom, just from what we're hearing. Um, So, I don't know, maybe. But, you know, I, but again, coming back to this one as one of the top episodes, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because when you ask somebody, you know, name the top five episodes of Star Trek TNG, one of them will be The Inner Light. Yeah. Which is a weird one-off episode that pretty much does away with 90% of the cast. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and yeah, and it, it's so memorable, though. So I guess maybe that playing counter to genre... Yeah. You know, being a favorite episode is is not that surprising, but yeah, because um, or you I know, for the... that... go ahead. Sorry, I was about to say I always find that st- well, I know in the that is an amazing episode, but it is. for for me, 
season six of Star Trek Next Generation was always one of the weaker seasons mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, but it was a good episode. No, no, yeah. It was Diamond in the Rough, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was uh, also... Read. I, I was also oh, going to reference um, with Doctor Who, then a lot of times the Doctor Light episodes are considered yeah. the best, even though, you know, we love the Doctor. Blink. Blink. (laughs) Very little Doctor in the Doctor Who episode, and it's one of the best for a lot of people. Uh, Somebody want to read our buddy Darren? I'll read Darren. I like him. Not that I don't like others, but anyway. Sorry. Uh, Darren Why do you hate Ewan? What has Ewan ever done to you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Darren says, I agree with Sam. This is the creme de la creme. In technical terms, um, and French terms, everything was firing with this one. Very obvious that the regular cast was enjoying this, and the extras were having an absolute ball. Mm-hmm. De la <laughs> and that is one thing I will agree with there, is that, you know, last episode... Wait, okay, I'm getting confused on what episode we've reviewed with. Um, <laughs> last one was but Legion. Yeah, uh, Last one was Legion. Okay, mm, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I thought that Cat, for some reason, wasn't quite working for me that episode. Like, the chemistry was off, his lines weren't hitting right, just some ineffable, something's wrong there. Mm-hmm. This episode, he's right on target. Mm-hmm. I mean, his comic timing and everything, um, the lines that they're giving him, that it works in a way that I don't think it was quite hitting for me last time. So, um, yeah, the cast really turned in a solid performance here. Who was on this game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ewan. You read, uh, yeah. Yep, thank you. Uh, Ewan says, My favorite Red Dwarf episode. I love the stimulants at Villains, both as stimulants and as the, the Apocalypse Boys. The, o- the old west section is fantastic, of course, but the noir and the space parts yeah. of the episode are brilliant as well. The Vindaluvians <laughs> <laughs> is one of the funniest Red Wolf moments ever. It's hard to put into words how much I love Gummer and the Apocalypse. <laughs> Just the stupidest plan ever. <laughs> I, I love the Vindaluvians, too. Like, they've been getting so uh, competent about, you know, their space adventuring, and then suddenly Vindaluvians, and I'm like, really, guys? <laughs> I loved that plan. Oh, I, I did too, but it's such a stupid plan. So delightfully <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's so crazy, it just might work. Except it didn't. Except it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam Highland says, Note how the simulant ship looks a bit like the skull of a bull. Ooh. You know, I hadn't thought of that, Sam, but Uh yeah. I I definitely saw a face there, but I didn't think of a bull, but yeah, that works. Hmm. And last but not least, the amazing Rusk Vino says... (laughs) 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 Says the Western remix... Why are we laughing at that? We're not making fun of Russ. <laughs> There's a behind-the-scenes reference here, folks. Uh, <laughs> the Western remix of the Red Dwarf theme is in the, the the Western remix of the Red Dwarf theme in the credits is amazing. Yes, it is. And yeah, it is. And he posts a video that has 
Red Dead Redemption set to the Red Dwarf music video theme. For some reason. We were really confused at first. Yeah, I think he was just wanting to post the music and could only find it in that video. Yeah. Though I wonder why that video was created in the first place. (laughs) (sighs) Well, thank you all for your comments. Much appreciated. Uh, Let's see then. So it is time to give a shout out to one of our fellow podcasts that we are fans of and think you might be too. So uh, maybe have a listen to this. So what is it? I've never heard one before, and going by the iTunes ratings, no one has. But I'm guessing it's a garbage podcast. A garbage podcast? Hmm. The sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf has a variety of fan podcasts dedicated to it. This one has commentaries, episode reviews, interviews with the cast, and really bad jokes. It seems that not being content with sucking the life out of their own podcast, they're now advertising on others. So this thing's spewing drivel into other podcasts. Precisely. That's why we're experiencing these curious time phenomena. I'm guessing they have a really bad editor. So what is it? I've never heard one before, and going by the iTunes ratings, no one has. But I'm guessing it's a garbage podcast. A garbage podcast? Hmm. The sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf has a variety of fan podcasts dedicated to it. This one has commentaries, episode reviews, interviews with the cast, and really bad jokes. It seems that not being content with sucking the life out of their own podcast, they're now advertising on others. So this thing's spewing drivel into other podcasts. Precisely. That's why we're experiencing these curious time phenomena. I'm guessing they have a really bad editor. What time phenomena? Like just then, when we all repeated ourselves. Okay, so it's decided then. We download the garbage podcast. Hey, wait a minute. I missed a discussion. We all did. Discussion is occurring in random pockets. The laws of context and conversation no longer apply. A question no longer leads to an answer. A joke no longer leads to a laugh. It never did. Look, the only way to get out of this feeble routine is to download the garbage podcast. I'll go with that. Gets my vote. Okay, so it's decided then. We download the garbage podcast. So what is it? I've never heard one before. The Garbage Podcast from Gaspacho Soup. Rabbiting on endlessly about all things Red Dwarf. And we're back, and it is time to rate this episode. And Low Ranger is our guest, so <laughs> she gets to give the first rating. Okay, I will give it, because I'm quite sentimental about this episode, I will give it Eight psychopathic schizophrenic serial killing femme fatales. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I want to go next. Okay. Go. I I it lived up to my expectations. I was already excited about it, and you know I love when they go just completely off the deep, silly end and have a fun time doing it. And I was looking forward to the Wild West episode. So I give it 10 bowls of raw coffee out of 10. Wow. Nice. It's a lot of raw coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Shane, what do you say? Oh, this is my favorite episode. This. Do you remember back when we did Back to Reality? 
I said yeah. were, I was holding off from, for my favourite episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is it. Mom's forget. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> I, just, I didn't, wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. But I'm going to have to break the rating system. Oh dear! Are we going up I'm not gonna. To I can't give it. I can't give it ten out of ten. I'm gonna have to give it twelve. Bouncing black bentness. Ooh! Wow! <laughs> Goes even up okay. further than eleven. Why not just make it louder and then call the loudest setting ten? This goes up to eleven. Um. Okay. Well, this episode, I, I thought, was well put together. It was funny. It had some good action. Uh, a little bit confusing with the, with the denouement, but, uh, you know, there you go. Um, did I use that term right there? Sorry? Yes, you did. Woohoo! She's a literature person. You get the literature seal of approval. Ar, ar, ar. <laughs> <laughs> its name is Bongo. Bongo the seal. Yep. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, I thought this was a well-made episode. It was funny. Uh, it, it, it hit on all, all cylinders, as, as was said in the Facebook group. Um, is it my favorite episode? Maybe not. Maybe not. I think there were some that were a bit more um, introspective as far as the characters go. And, and you know me. That's 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 what I like. Uh, still, I'm not faulting this episode for anything. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 escaped escaped pods. <laughs> He was so lazy that he accidentally got rid of the escape pod. Oh, that reminds me, that actually reminds me of a con- continuity thing, which I didn't write down, but I remember from watching the episode. Yeah? Um, they, were, they were out for three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So why did Rimmer say I launched the escape pod last Thursday? Shouldn't it have been three weeks ago that Thursday? Well, you know, maybe he just wasn't counting that three weeks as having Yeah. Mm. Possibly. Just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> it's been accounted for. Or maybe he was, you know, drinking beer while unconscious. Mm-hmm. It can happen. <laughs> so, uh, we will have to ask Paul next week how he rates this one. Yes. That will give him a full week to come up with a cool rating system. Um, all right. Well, now we are going to do some quotes. And Lorraine, you get to go first. Oh, my. Okay. Well, please excuse my accent. Uh, <laughs> don't kill me, Sammy. I'll do anything. Kill him. I'll come away with you, Sammy. It'll be just like the old days. I never stopped loving you, Sammy. Kiss me. <laughs> Apologies again. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant accent. <laughs> You're very kind. Uh, let's Who's see. Next? Uh, that pays for the hat. What about the insult? Okay, you're a fat bearded git with breath that could knock out a grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great shtick. Uh, let's see. Who's next on the quotes? I'll go next, if that's okay. Well, the p- quote from Paul is, I am the Riviera Kid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, did you want to do one for yourself, too? Uh, no, I'll let you. I, I, 
too much Shane on this podcast. I'll let somebody else go, but then I'll come back, cut back in. But we need more Shane. Need more Shane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I've seen Westerns. I know how to speak cowboy. Dry white wine and Perrier, please. <laughs> what about you two chaps? <laughs> that was the best. Oh. That was lovely. Okay, I've got one more. Uh, I've got no idea who you are, but boarding this vessel is an act of war. Ergo, we surrender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rimmer was brilliant in this one. <laughs> he was. Mm. He's always brilliant. Wait, something's coming back to me now. You, sir, whenever I look at you, I get an image of curry and early morning breath that cut through bank boats. And you, sir, there's something familiar about you, about you too. I get a name. Smee. Smee. Smeghead? That's it. He remembers me. Isn't there some way we can get in there and help him? Somehow turn ourselves into tiny electronic people and get into his dream? Isn't there some sort of gizmo lying around someplace that can do that? And if not, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I like that sort of wink at the camera that they gave there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, it's time we decided who's going to take the one-man escape pod. <laughs> How? Well, if you'll just bear with me, I think I've devised a fair and equitable system of choosing who should survive. It's based on age, rank, seniority, usefulness, and to cut a long story short, it's me. I was as stunned as you are, which is why I demanded a recount. Well, blow me if it didn't come out as me again. Keys. That was amazing. I have to say, that's actually one of mine, so... Oh. No problem. I think that's Rimmer at his best, though. <laughs> yes. Pompous and cowardly at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being so cheerful at it, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have to forgive our friend. He's a cup of gunmen short of a posse. <laughs> uh, that paid for the hat, but what about the insult? Okay, you're a fat bearded git with breath that could knock out a grizzly. Hey, I already did that one. one. Oh, did you? Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I think that was listening, doesn't it? You don't listen to Um. me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, Angela, I thought you you need to uh, mention this, actually. It's kind of funny. Uh, We were looking at Twitter the other day, and um, Robert Picardo, uh, who plays the, the doctor on Voyager, then he said he was going to some con or another. Which one was it? Uh, the one in Wales. Wales Comic Con yes. or yes. something like that. And he asked uh, who the fellow was who played the hologram on Red Dwarf 10. And then mm-hmm. and then a later tweet after he'd been told. Although I looked at the replies and they were all Chris Berry. And then one person said Robert Llewellyn. And I wanted to reply to them and say, you idiot. (laughs) 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 But uh, then later on, he tweeted, Chris Berry, we are the hollow men. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ooh, so, okay, we need the Doctor, okay, we need Robert Picardo and Chris Berry together, and then Brent Spiner and Robert Llewellyn together. Yes! Yeah. And then Cat and Michael Dorn together. <laughs> Why Cat and Michael Dorn? <laughs> because Cat is a is a humanoid. He's uh, a mutant cat person. And Michael Dorn, his his forehead looks like a looks like a, a hiney. Because <laughs> he's a Klingon. Worf would go after Cat with a bot laugh. <laughs> he would. <laughs> Oh my. I don't know. I was trying to think of the third parallel to fit the rule of three there, and I panicked. What can I say? Oh, well. uh, any more quotes? I'm quoting that, because considering we've uh, already repeated one. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to read a few more evangelists? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, apologize. We, <laughs> we don't have Paul to steal from, so. <laughs> Oh, oh, there was one. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, there you go ahead. That's fine. I'm I'm looking mine up. So yeah. Oh, you want me to go? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Please, please, please. Okay. Okay. Sir, surrender is the worst thing we could do. They despise humans in all forms of humanoid life. They believe you to be the vermin of the universe, sir. Didn't know they'd met him. <laughs> that was the very one I was looking up. Oh, oh, no. oh no! But you did a fantastic uh, Crichton. Indeed. Oh, I can't actually hear myself at the moment, so that's probably a blessing for me. <laughs> I do have. I do actually have one more, if that's okay. Do it. No. Uh, I'm sorry, it's too late. The moment's passed. <laughs> Go ahead. Sir, I can't eat any more raw coffee. Just two more bowls. But I'm sober, honest. Okay, so who are you and what and why are you here? I'm some kind of robot who's fighting this virus and none of this actually is, exists. It's all in the fever except for you guys who really do exist. But you're not really here. You're really on some spaceship in the future. How? If this is going to make sense, I don't want to be sober. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Again, of all the episodes, uh, not not to blabber me, but again, another reason that I wish we had Holly on this episode is so Lorraine could do some Holly quotes mm-hmm. and freak people out by sounding just like her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think oh. of a single thing she says now. <laughs> oh. uh, well, I guess that is about it. Um, what is the title of next week's episode? Next week's episode, and this might give it away, actually, to be honest with you, but we'll go, we'll go for it anyway. Do it. All right. Do yes. it. Emo Hawk Polymorph 2. <laughs> polymorph! That's yeah, good. we saw in the That's... opening credits that there was a return of the Polymorph. I was hoping it was going to be um, soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking that this episode might possibly, and I'm going out on a limb here, be about the return of the polymorph. What? How could you get I that know. idea? Well, I, I'm psychic, is what it is. Okay, how is the polymorph going to return, though? That is an interesting question, isn't it? Well, I mean, that, didn't they do, like, the fake-out horror movie yeah. ending at the end of Polymorph? So are they actually going to capitalize on that, or do this another way with, like, some time travel shtick? Ooh, maybe it has... um 
unknowingly possessed Lister this whole time, but it's been laying dormant because he's been what? eating too much Vindaloo. And now that he doesn't have access to Vindaloo, it's... <laughs> That's an interesting theory. <laughs> sure. I don't um, yeah, I, I don't actually know uh, the mechanics of how they're going to make this work. Um, That's because I'm right. Because I'm awesome. Maybe so. <laughs> Find out next week when we talk about Polymorph 2, the return of the Polymorph Judgment Day. This time it's personal <laughs> here on the Red Dwarf Intro Cast. Uh, Lorraine, thank you for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you so much. And I'm sorry, I was sort of frozen with fear throughout, so I wasn't very happy. <laughs> no, you were delightful. Oh, you did a good job, though, and don't worry about it. <laughs> thank and hopefully next week we will get Paul back, and uh, yeah, everything will be awesome again. So, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's cold outside. There's no kind of atmosphere, so I'm alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Sun, sun, sun. Wait, that's not right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>